Welcome into another edition of the Angry Quarterbacks Podcast. I'm Richard Skinner from Local 12 and Local12.com with the real quarterback Tony Pike of Reading High School, UC, and Carolina Panthers fame, and now the quarterback whisperer for many a quarterback in this area at the high school level and below. But maybe soon to be a guy who'll be coaching quarterbacks at a different level. Who knows? Maybe above. We maybe, got a couple maybe. college kids in the system. There you go. Yeah, starting to starting to grind mm-hmm. some of those guys out. We got a lot to get to. We're going to talk to Pat McLaughlin, the head coach of LaSalle, the state champion LaSalle Lancers. Fourth time since 2014, they've won a state championship. They won it in Division Two. And hats off as well to the Covenant Catholic Colonels. Who? How about that senior class? 44 and one mm. over the last three seasons. Not terrible. That's pretty good. We'll talk a little bit about that coming up in segment number two. Segment three, we'll talk some college football. Did they get it right from the Heisman Trophy? Are we going to expand the college football playoffs? The UC Bearcats thrilled about going to play Boston College in the Birmingham Bowl. Last time I was in the Birmingham Bowl, Where? I was a little bit I was a little bit drunk. Where? The Birmingham, Birmingham Bowl? The Birmingham Bowl. Yeah, the attendance for that should be a killer. The thing I like about that, not to skip too far ahead, because we are going to talk college football in segment three, I like that just about every other bowl has a uh, has some kind of sponsor attached yep. to it. It's no. just the Birmingham Bowl. We're just Birmingham. It, that stadium is just a dump. Yep. It's Can't historic. Wait. It's neat when you think of the history of Legion Field. Not the best. But we'll talk about that in segment three. Right, segment one, though, we got to start with, with the latest, and that's the uh, the Patriots caught red-handed in, in Spygate again. Mm. Bill Belichick, I was on a conference call with him today. It was a regularly scheduled conference call for Cincinnati area media to, to basically discuss the game. But as you can imagine, questions arose about this. And so I'll read you a couple of, of quotes verbatim that we've transcribed. First one was, any comment on the videotaping incident? He says, no, I think we put out a statement that covers everything, so hopefully that takes care of the explanation of it. He was asked, did you reach out to the Bengals and, and offer an apology? He said, I think I'll keep that between us and the Bengals. So, no. What about with the league? He says, again, I really don't have anything to do with this. I don't have anything at all to do with this whatsoever. Whatever's going on between the people that are involved in it in the league and all that, it's not a football issue in any way, shape, or form. I had no involvement. I don't know anything about this. Then he's asked, they didn't get clearance from you? It's a scout organizational employee, but you had no knowledge this was going on? He says, zero. It's a part of a TV show. I had nothing to do with this whatsoever. Yeah, right, but the employee was an advanced scout, which is part of football. Do you, you, see, you said you had no knowledge? They were doing and taping the scout for a do-your-job episode? Nope. <laughs> so here's the thing, and this reminds me of how Mafia Dons get away, got away with things mm-hmm. for many a year, how college head coaches can get away with cheating and somebody else pays the price for it. Yep. It, is clause, it is called plausible deniability. Mm-hmm. In the case of Bill Belichick or someone in that organization tied to him, and I'll probably start with Belichick himself, it's, hey, I need you to film those signals. I don't care how you do it. Here's yep. your, here, and Somebody comes up with the story. The best part to this is a lot of us that cover the team wrote a story on this yesterday, obviously when it broke. And we were passed along a story from sports, or I'm sorry, from businessinsider.com from 2015 that laid out after Spygate yep. how the Patriots were still going about doing the spying, which was they would send an advanced scout, they would send a film crew under the guise of Craft Productions or Patriots Productions, mm-hmm. and as they were doing a story on said scout, they would film the game. Right. Does this not sound like the exact same scenario they just got busted red-handed in? Right. It To me... To me, this is this is the ultimate display of arrogance from a football organization. No question. Not only to openly go and film a sideline, but to do so against the opponent you play the next week. If you wanted to do a story about an advanced scout for a TV show, you could have picked a lot of other places to send said scout or and, to said, and how send about, the, the how, film crew. How about the B-roll on advanced scout instead of having it locked down for eight minutes on the sideline? Right. right. You're not getting eight minutes of B-roll over the opponent's sideline. Exactly. That to me, again, it goes back to complete and utter arrogance. We're the Patriots. This is how we're doing things. And this is our answer if something happens. Yeah, because all that would happen and all that's happened in the past, I mean, as, as bad as Spygate was, and it was bad. Yeah, got knocked a, a pick. They, they got knocked a pick and a little bit of coin. Yeah. A little bit of money that Bob Kraft, I'm sure, scoffed at and Belichick scoffed at. Right. And so this time the NFL, and I mean this sincerely, should come down to the point of Bill Belichick does not coach again this season and maybe all of next season. Right. And the Patriots lose their entire 2020 draft. Send and then we'll see how we do with this moving forward, fellas. You have to send a message or else nothing will change from exactly it. Exactly right. Another slap in the wrist and everything changes. Here's what I think happens. The Bengals, since we're the ones that discovered it, yes. get said first-round pick from next year. But 
with the understanding that the Patriots have to make the pick for us. Because <laughs> you feel like they'll make a better selection? <laughs> yes. Uh, they probably would undermine that, too. I like that concept, Arrogance. I do it, like it is, I do like that concept. I wouldn't mind that. It's ridiculous to, to just be that open and blunt about stuff. And again, I mean, it's not like they were hiding. I know people will say, well, if he didn't, I mean, how's he supposed to know about it? It goes back to college coach tells college assistant, I need you to go get me some dudes. Yep. I don't don't tell me how you got know them how dudes. It's gonna happen. You get me them dudes, man, or else guess what? I'll find another assistant. Yep. Hey, little advanced scout. This is be, what you, I'll pay you. And yeah, if you get caught, you know nothing about it. You just you just you use the story that we've come up with. Yep. They're there to film you on a TV show and and voila. Right. And it, and the thing is they've done it exactly. That's the blueprint from what they've done in the past. Right. So why wouldn't you think they're still doing it in that regard? Right. My thought is this. If they are caught doing it to a one-win Cincinnati Bengals team. What are they doing to teams? With and what are they doing with, with no the doubt. good teams? What were they doing against the Chiefs? What were they doing against the Rams in the Super Bowl? Correct. To prepare for that? Correct. Because I know everybody looks and goes, oh, they came out in a 6-1 alignment. Okay, great. You know what? The Rams all season long had dissected every defensive right. alignment known to mankind. Yep. You don't think that maybe now looking back that maybe they knew every single play that was coming? Yep. Maybe? It, it makes you question everything. everything that's happened with that organization. And the thing and is, the fact that it's the second time. Yeah, this isn't yes. a film crew from the Kansas City Chiefs who the Bengals don't play this year that is doing something on an advanced scout against a team that they won't see. Right. Okay. Get it. This Can't is, do that again. This is the week you're before playing, you play them, right. Come on. and you're trying to make sure that, hey, let's get the signals they're currently using because there's a pretty decent chance mm-hmm. we they, they won't change them up a whole lot, if at all. Right. Exactly. And I, you can argue that, that yeah, that w- what advantage do the Patriots really? Well, I'm going to ask you as a former quarterback, because obviously when you're signaling plays in, and nowadays you can just do it in the helmet, which is another thing, but you can signal yep. checks in and all that stuff. Take me through a little bit of the process of sometimes there's a guy who's live and some guy a guy. sometimes a guy is not. How hard is it, though, for a team to maybe pick that up if they have literally locked down on those guys calling those signals? Well, if you've locked in, you clearly match up the play call with the signaler. And so, okay, this signal means this, this signal means that. My brother was a part of it at Wake Forest with the whole Louisville scandal. That's right, yeah, with the the, the sheet that was left Yeah, by. and he went the same way of saying, look, if a team has any information, it's hard enough to block a team and, and move the ball on offense. If a team knows a check, and when they hear that check, they slant a certain way, yeah, exactly. it's impossible. Yeah, the, you the can't che- block the, a guy. The, the, guess what? The check's off. Right. So that that's the problem. All they need is a keyword. All they need is a signal. And you're talking about the best athletes – on the best teams and the best organizations getting an advantage. That, that to me, is where the problem lies. So for the Wake Forest situation that was going on, if a team knows your check, that this word means a run, or this signal means a pass, or this signal means a run to the right, it's hard to block that. It's hard to overcome that. It's hard to do that on both sides of the ball. Right, so no. now you're taking the next level up, NFL players for the New England Patriots, and you start to wonder, man, that. That Patriots defense has been historically good this year. That Patriots defense has scored a lot of touchdowns this year. That Patriots defense, look at the interceptions they've created. Well, it's easier to jump around if you know a certain signal means a certain route. Right. No, a certain right. concept. Absolutely. So, to me, I look back at everything that has happened with that Patriot team, and, and you, whether it happened or not, it immediately clouds your judgment because of how good they've been. And because they've done it before, it's always just been and there the was Patriot a pattern way. Of this. Yes, there's still it's just the Patriot way. All right, so let me let me give you. The, I thought the money question. I'll give the questioner credit. It was Dave Lapp at the end of the uh, the the, the uh, conference call today. Says, and this ended it very quickly too. By the way, back to the videographer. He put the camera on the Bengals sideline for a quarter. Was that just a rogue decision? Why do you think he would do something like that? This is Belichick. Again, I think that was covered in the statement the organization made. I don't really have any idea what the nature of that was or wasn't. I don't even know what was done, so I can't answer that question. I don't know anything about it. Mm. At which point, PR guy goes, thanks a lot, guys. Click. Yeah. <laughs> that was it. Yeah, that. and again, at this point, you question everything that that organization's done. No doubt. No doubt about it. Um, all right, so I've laid out my penalty, and I know I'm probably over my skis with what I th- I thought. What do you think? If if it really, I mean, it's pretty now cut and dried. Yeah. If it's done, and it looks like it, it was done, there's some level of admission of guilt by the Patriots to this, that it was done, what does the NFL do? Well, the regular season's only three more games. Bill Belichick, to me, wouldn't coach the rest of this year. Regular would, season would you, or playoffs. Would you, would you extend it further? 
I would extend it into the playoffs. No, I would. Talk, I would I'm talking a, about it's yeah, it's, it's through the playoffs yeah, for sure. But I I wouldn't extend it into next year. Okay, and just basically say like, hey, strike two, strike three is the death penalty. Yeah, strike three, you don't coach again. You're out. Yeah, you're so out as a coach. I think I think at this point to penalize that team, that would be sufficient because what, you're what looking about at doing an, something with draft pick. Yeah. Draft oh yeah, picks. yeah. 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 Absolutely. I I take not just one, but multiple. Yeah. I take and, multiple draft picks and say, look, this is this is an offense that I mean, you look around. The, there's really no precedent for that. Right. But you're talking about the precedent of the money that players have lost for playing recklessly or making bad decisions or a drug test or things like that because they're trying to do what? Gain an advantage? Right. Right. Wouldn't that be what steroids would be? Wouldn't that be what sure. a failed drug test would be? What's the difference of that and what Bill Belichick is doing in gaining Understood. a competitive I, advantage? So let me let me just play devil's advocate for a second for the faction that says, well, Bill says he doesn't know it. I believe everything Bill says. I go back to it is plausible deniability. I would almost say, you know what? Too bad. This is not a court of law. This is an NFL making a ruling on whether a guy should be allowed to coach. And this and, and really, right. you punish the organization for this, this yep. mistake. Because somebody obviously has decided this is a way to gain a competitive advantage, right. whether it's... Their GM, whether it's Bob Kraft, yeah, and whether it's, it's the head of scouting, the head of pro personnel, whether it's Bill Belichick himself, yep. somebody in that organization. But the person that has to pay is the one at right. the top of the food chain. Exactly. You can't just find Robert Kraft. No. You can't do. You have to do something that's going to harm that organization to get the message across and say, hey, no more. If it happens again, and, and that to me would be draft picks next year, and Bill Belichick does not coach the rest of this season. I, I think that's I think that's honestly an easy solution to it. I because don't, I don't think the NFL has the spine to do that to that particular franchise. The other I end of the, the other end of the spectrum, though, if you just come in and say, "Well, we're gonna we're gonna dock you this, and we're gonna fine you this," they're gonna do it again. What does that say about the NFL? Yeah, they're gonna do it, it almost uh, just saying, "Listen, whatever check you write, just keep doing it. Just keep writing." Why, check. why wouldn't another team do it then? Absolutely. I, I if I'm that exactly other team right. and I say, well, I've never been caught like this. That team did it twice. We better get the slap on the wrist, too. Absolutely. We better, we better, we better move along that way. Because, I mean, essentially, at that point, then you, you start to lose the competitive balance that is the NFL, the fairness of the NFL. As a former professional athlete, just from the sheer, I guess, competition of it, and I know sportsmanship gets thrown out the window on a lot of things, right? You're always trying to gain some level of competitive advantage. Where do you stand with that? Just as someone that was in in the in the arena, in the realm of another team cheating think, in that regard, I think you're always trying to gain an advantage, right? Yeah, like the, uh, the advantage of a guy, his knuckles turn purple right before he's yeah. rushing the pass, or something. Or yeah, or, or the like way that. they line up. Yeah, which right. foot's forward? Which foot's forward? Right. Uh, the depth of the safeties, the depth of the corner, the angle of the corner. Um, but to me, that's what makes the NFL what it is because these guys work their tail off to do film preparation and film study, to just pick up one thing, right? to just find one indicator that can maybe help them that week. You look at what made Peyton Manning great. He was the first one to really start the, the fake calls. Yes. Because Peyton Manning just wanted to see that safety lean yep, one, way one step. Yep. Because that, the lean of a safety, gave him enough information to be successful. Now we're talking about all that hard work done, and this, this program, this organization is over there filming what others are doing, and they're filming to get a, a, a head up on what you're doing while you're busting your tail for anything, they're taking, the easy, they're taking the easy road on it. All right, what about the faction that says, oh, you're not really getting anything even if you're taping those, those signals? You're, you're, I mean, what? My False, answer, my answer you do. Well, my answer to that would be, then why are they taping it? If right. they don't think they're taping it advantage. for a reason. Yeah. You, you match that with the play, and you get information. Yeah, no, it, 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 it's honestly, you're right, it's arrogant. Yep. It's wrong, and the NFL needs to punish this to the maximum level they can possibly right. punish it to. Like, like there. Let's let's be honest. If if a team really wanted to do something like that, then you buy a ticket, you wear a, a normal shirt, and you just sit in the the third row and film it. The arrogance to literally have a patriot patriot gear on, set up a camera, and film the sideline. For eight minutes. That's something. That, that, oh, that, and that's the, thing the ultimate is, level. And it only went for eight minutes. You know why? Because they got caught. It was right. going to go the whole time. Right. We had we had a time at, at University of Cincinnati. We had a, a player's brother dressed up as a in a Miami Red Hawk shirt and had a camera openly filming at practice. And it, it the coaches literally went on a witch hunt. I mean, they, you take this stuff serious because of the advantage that it gives. Right. It's it's not a slap on the wrist offense, especially not the second time you get caught doing it. That's the thing, especially the second time.
All right, uh, let's move on to the Bengals from Sunday's loss. And, and probably, obviously, probably filming the red zone calls for the offense because those are those are those are killing it. They they were not good. So let's get into that part of it for starters. And I've, I literally just put a piece up right before we came to do this podcast. Um, we talked to both Zach Taylor in his press conference yesterday, then Brian Callahan, the offensive coordinator. And as you can imagine, the, what? the offensive coordinator. Yes, oh, yes, he's the offensive okay. coordinator. Uh, about uh, the, a couple of those calls. There was they were one for five in the red zone. Two of the five, you know, one trip ended in the Joe Mixon touchdown. Two of the five trips, they barely got into it. One was a third down from the 18, like a third and seven. It does qualify as a red zone trip, yeah. but there's different red zone trips. The two in question, though, were in the second half where they had a first and goal oh. on the two. We'll start with that one first and foremost. So first and goal on the two. Joe Mixon has literally just run you down there. He he, he averaged six yards, 6.6 a carry. Yes. The first, the first play that he ran you down there, um, he takes you for six. He, he runs for... I think 19 yards, 8 yards, and 6 yards mm-hmm. to take you down. And then a one-yard gain on, on third and goal, third and or fourth and one from the three to get yep. you the first and goal with the two. From that point forward, they then call the pass play that resulted in an Andy Dalton sack. Which, which first of all, ninth year in, you can't, you can't take, take a sack in the red zone. No doubt. That's, day exa- one, that's exactly what I wrote. You cannot take that sack. Day one in the NFL, day one in football, if you're in the red zone and it's not there, throw it out of the back of the end zone. Yes. Throw it into the stands. Now, it was a slow-developing pick play that... Andy hung on to it for far too long. All right, first and foremost, though, people are angry, and I am too, of why you didn't give it to Joe Mixon. I'll yep. touch on that in a second, but I want to give you um, the explanation first from 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 Brian Callahan um, and then from Zach Taylor. Callahan says, we've been pretty consistent over the last handful of weeks running the ball. He means in the red, in those goal-to-go situations. There's yep. a line between running the ball every single time in first and goal situations mm. and trying to have some balance with it. We broke the huddle quick to try to get them on their heels a little bit. They hand-checked us to a zone defense at the line of scrimmage as we were snapping the ball and covered it up. Unfortunately, we took a sack, which is obviously the worst-case scenario. Ideally, we'd like to find a way to get rid of the ball and play for second down, and it's not as magnified given the result. He says, you have to be able to throw it occasionally, and obviously you like to run it too. We've been good running it down there as of late. That's just how the situation unfolded in that particular instance. So, a stat that Jay Morrison from The Athletic looked up that I've used in this piece in the last 10 first-and-goal situations the Bengals have been in, they've run the ball every time on first down. Mm-hmm. I get the concept of breaking tendencies. You yep. know enough about what it means to break tendencies. But you're first-and-goal on the two. The two. You're not first-and-goal on the nine. You, you're having terrific success moving the line of scrimmage, running the ball. There have been games this year where they've not had that. So right. I will give you that at times. Yep. But this game you were. How you don't run Joe Mixon four straight times, and if you're stopped, go, you know what? At least I went with my best guy, yeah. fellas. I, you know, you can question me all you want, but he's our best guy, and we thought from two yards out, hammer him in there four times, we were going to make it in. Yeah. We just didn't. Tip of the cap yep. to them. Instead of trying to simply outthink and break, and I asked Brian that yesterday, I said, but isn't there a chance of, isn't there a spot where tendency be damned, Yeah. Joe Mixon's your guy, and it's first and goal on the two, let's go. Yeah. I think it's very... Uh, different if it's first and goal on the nine, mm-hmm. first and goal on the eight. Two yards to a running back that was averaging 6.6 a carry throughout the course of the game. wasn't like he was struggling to get yards. One like they were getting dominated on the line of scrimmage. The problem that I have through all of this, even if you want to pass, then why wouldn't you want to show the threat of run? Yes, you went empty. Like, like why not go under center and like we see so much in the bootleg. NFL, play action and bootleg. Yeah. You get a run-pass option. It's harder to take a sack that way. No doubt. Because you're, you're already out of the pocket, right. so you can throw it away on the run. Yep. And then you say, look, this was our tendency. We thought we could get them on first down. We didn't. And then you run, run, run. Yes. The problem, and much like you said, if I am a coach and I'm in a key situation and I'm, I'm answering to my calls, my, my response is going to be the best player on the field for us is Joe Mixon. He's getting Joe it. Mixon gets four touches there. No doubt. If Joe Mixon doesn't get in, like you said, tip your cap to them. Here's what we need to do better. We missed this block up front. Joe missed this hole. But I am going down with my best players having an impact. Because the sack completely impacted the right. rest of that possession. Right. Completely. You take it away. Yeah, you take it, it away. No, from no doubt, no doubt. I do appreciate the explanation, by the way. I, yeah, they, they were, you know, they sat down. Brian sat down with us for a pretty good piece of time to talk about some of this stuff. Zach's explanation of that was pretty similar, um, where he says the following: Certainly, you can't take a sack. He says that's the critical part is we can't take that. It's an unbalanced play for us. We're trying to get the ball out quickly. They did a good job of getting into a coverage check and covering our guys. That's just one we need to get rid of it. Being second and goal on the two, I'll give you that completely. part of it. But I would also say. I don't again tendency be damned. Yep. 
And I'm again, going with my guy. If, if it's your tendency and you're trying to throw the defense off, then at least show run. Yes. Don't go empty. Yes. It's ridiculous. No, I, 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 that's fair. All right, possession, key possession number two mm, came with the Bengals facing fourth and goal from the Cleveland four with 7.20 to go in the game, and they ran a design draw for Andy Dalton. Here was, here was Zach Taylor. On the fourth and goal draw, if you told me we were going to get a two-safety look and that they would drop eight with a three-man front where they're only going to have two other guys in the box, we should be able to execute that and get in the end mm. zone. Of course, when you don't execute it, it looks bad. But when you do execute it, it looks really good. Obviously, it was a tough situation on fourth and goal. We don't get it and you feel bad about it, but we have a plan in place for a reason, and we just need to execute it. That's similar to what Brian said. He said that they didn't block it up on the right side the way they, they, they needed to block it up and that it should have been a walk. All of, Everybody says it should have been a walk-in mm-hmm. touchdown. All right, first, first and foremost, I don't disagree with going for it. I, I know some people have questioned they no, should have kicked the field goal. I was good with going for yep. it. You need your def- And the defense came up with the interception a few plays later that was overruled by the yeah. bad pass interference call. Um, so I'm fine with going for it. They they seem to really believe that if it had been blocked up properly, he's walking in. Well, do you have a problem with that? According to offenses, every play, if it's blocked up properly, should All be right. a successful play. Okay. Um, here's my issue. At that point of the game, it just seemed rushed to me watching it. it seemed like things were the, the clock was going down, a little bit of confusion. Why not just take the timeout? Mm-hmm. Like, to me, it's the most important play in the game. You and, need and, to and, score. And then you come out and you say, if we get the same look, let's go with right. the draw. Right. If you get a different look, let's go with this pass yeah. play. But in that situation, what I want is a first-year head coach that has struggled at times to make play calls to call a timeout and take a few minutes to think about it. Talk to your offensive coordinator. Talk to Andy Dalton. What are you seeing? That's where I had the problem. To go through, we're holding on to three timeouts. It's the biggest play in the game. And it just looks, it, it looks sloppy. The mm-hmm. play itself... The miss block, whether you got a different look, that was too sloppy for me. It should be if you got a two safety look in the red zone, the back mix it should be getting the ball again anyway. Yeah, maybe that wasn't the case in that situation. But um, look, every play design theoretically, if you block it up correct, should but be some of successful. it goes based on the look though. Right, I mean, you just can't you can't run into a nine man box and yeah. go. We're gonna run. We're just gonna pound right. it down your throat. I would I would have more ideally liked to see him. Let's hey, big play. Let's take a few minutes to think about it. And you could still run the draw if you so right. so desire. But I would feel better about look. it coming out of a timeout yeah, where everyone enough. gets a, a say. And and again, huge play. Everything's firing. You're working against the play clock. Just take a few minutes. Yeah. All right. Lastly, uh, before we move on to segment number two, um, the the penalty on William Jackson the third, the Jeez. overturned pass yeah. interference call. This season in the NFL has been pretty consistent of unless you tackle a guy. Mm-hmm. And it's pretty blatant. We're not overturning it. Now, watching the replay, if you were to ask me, did you think that was pass interference? Yeah, probably. 1,000%. But I've seen a lot of them this year worse. exactly like that or worse that they have not overturned because their initial thing with this is it has to be clearly egregious, i.e., yeah. they just don't want a scenario that took place in New Orleans where clearly, without any complication to it, no hand fighting, no nothing, it was a blatant pass interference. Yeah. That's what this was supposed to be. And, it, and they overturn it in that critical juncture of the game. That's yeah. baloney. Well, you and I have questioned the call on this year. We've questioned numerous times, why is there a pass interference? Because we've seen plays that are more egregious and worse than what right. we saw from William Jackson that don't get overturned. It almost feels like in the NFL that for much of the season, you had to do something crazy. And now it feels like the last two weeks, they've been overturning more. So are we going to see that in the playoffs? Right. It are almost, we really going to see that? That's that's my concern because it feels like the NFL heard all this. We're not overturning anything. Right. Why do we have the rule? So they made the statement of, we'll start overturning some of these. Mm-hmm. And now you wait till the end of the year. And again. But now we get into a real subjective again, area. If you start to determine, ah, that was a little hand yeah. fighting. That was a lot of hand fighting. But imagine. It's still hand fighting. It's I still mean, interference by the rule. Imagine. That not being the Bengals and the Browns. Imagine that being right. the Saints and the 49ers mm-hmm. with five minutes left in the game and you overturn them. Mm-hmm. Like that to me is the worrisome piece going forward because I still, at this point in the season, don't know what pass interference is. I don't either. I saw the Chiefs and Patriots game. They called Travis Kelsey for an offensive pass interference where he was getting off a bump two yards down the field. Yeah, the bump happened to him. Yes. And then I saw Bill Belichick challenge. An offensive pass interference, and it wasn't overturned. Like I, I don't know what pass interference is still, and so if I'm if I'm more confused now than I was when the rule originally started, 
and now we're diluting the game and we're, we're making all these different changes, it, it, all, it, all it is doing is hurting the product on the field. And I would tell you, with, with gambling dollars because of legalized oh, gambling yeah. now being flooded into the marketplace yep. and people having a real, not just, they now have a vested interest in this, you better start getting it right and at least being more consistent with it. You know what? Again, I've been, you want to make replay go away? I'm all for it. Make it yep. go away. If not, if you're going to say that we're going to overturn Better some of these, consistency. then let's be consistent. If that was pass interference um, clearly or whatever, if that was just pass interference, call it. Yep. Change it. Just don't don't, don't be wildly inconsistent with it. It's, right. been, it's been a joke for the most part. Yep. All right. Any final NFL thoughts before we move on to talk to a champion? Ravens are still good. They are still good. They're amazing. Niners and now, Saints no, in the maybe, NFC. Maybe no Lamar this week. Yeah. Niners and Saints in the NFC. But that was a heck of a game. I wish I, I was covering obviously the Browns game. I kept yeah. I had had my phone up looking at scores. I swear I felt like every time I would write something on my story or tweet something out, I look back at that game. Somebody else had scored. Yeah, that's crazy. Also, I'm never doing fantasy football again. Not so good. I'm done. I was in the semifinals. I lost by point six. You know what I had? Mark Andrews, Devontae Parker. I got Mark Andrews. Mike Evans. Ooh, oh, Mike Evans got hurt. All too. three of them got hurt in the first quarter. I went into Sunday night football and I needed nine from Tyler Lockett okay. and the Seattle kicker. Oh, uh, yeah, you didn't get that, did you? You know why? Because the Seattle kicker missed an extra he point. He did miss an extra which point. Which would have Jason been a Myers. point, which I'm playing in the championship. Done with fantasy football. Well, my flip side story very quickly was I was down a point going into last night. I had the Eagles defense. Mm. I needed them to hold the Giants to under 20 to win. Wasn't feeling real good no. about that at halftime, brother. No. It was no. feeling even worse when it went to OT because usually you go to OT, yep. it's screwing little old me, baby. You're done. Somehow, God love you, Philly. Oh. You got me to the playoffs. You're living right there. I guess so, maybe. All right, when we continue, we'll talk to LaSalle head coach Pat McLaughlin as he is his team, the Lancers, win the state championship in Division II, fourth state title in the last six seasons for LaSalle. Pretty impressive run for them as we continue. It's the Angry Quarterbacks, Tony Pike, Richard Skinner, from the James Rapine Memorial Studio and ESP Media. Get the skinny on Cincinnati sports with Richard Skinner only on Local12.com and the Local12 News app. Exclusive content, in-depth analysis, podcasts, and more. Cincinnati sports news 24-7. Get the skinny only on Local12.com and the Local12 News app. For professional staffing, there's only one name you need to know. Robert Half. Robert Half custom matches our candidates to your specific hiring requirements by combining personalized service from local staffing experts with an advanced matching technology based on 70 years of successful placements. For highly skilled accounting, finance, IT, legal, marketing, or administrative staffing, count on Robert Half. We'll find you productive, engaged employees. Learn more at roberthalf.com radio. Are you looking to produce your own podcast? ESP Media has state-of-the-art audio and video production studios available for you. Our studio rental rates are the most competitive in town. Contact us today at sales at ESPMediaSN.com or 513-655-4966. That's 513-655-4966. It's your podcast. We just produce it. Welcome back into segment two of the Angry Quarterbacks podcast. Richard Skinner from Local12, Local12.com with the real quarterback, at least he used to be, Tony Pike. <laughs> We're joined now by the uh, head coach of the Little Sound Lancers, Pat McLaughlin, his team winning the Division II state championship uh, last Thursday night. Pat, first and foremost, con- congratulations. And I, I guess the, the big question for me would be, when did you think this team was championship material? And maybe that goes all the way back to the weight room in January for all I know. But when, when did you kind of have a sense this team had a chance to maybe make a run like this? That's a good question. First of all, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. Love listening to you guys. But um, I don't know if there's one moment we were actually talking about that. Uh, we were actually talking about that after the state championship game. I think uh, after our loss to Cubcast, um, our kids righted the ship really quick. When we came back and beat St. X the next week. Uh, to me, that showed the resiliency of our team, the character of our team. That we had an obstacle. Uh, we faced some adversity. We overcame it. And I think from that point on, even though we go lose to Wenton Woods, who's a good team, and then we beat Elder. So I think that four-week stretch really gave our kids the confidence that they could, they could win a five-game season in the playoffs. I think for a lot of people, when they saw the loss to Covcath, they automatically went, oh, that's not good. This team maybe doesn't have it. For those that, that live on that side of the river as I do and, and have seen what CovCast program has done, especially in this three-year run they're in, that game might have spoken more about them. But as you mentioned, maybe that, in, in that retrospect, maybe that was a good thing for your guys uh, because they certainly, as you mentioned, they bounced back pretty quickly from it. 
Yeah, there's no doubt. I mean, I, they they deserve all the credit. Credit they beat us that night. They're a great football team. Um, to me, they're a GCL South type of football team. Um, we weren't ready to play for whatever reason, so we had to refocus. And uh, I think our kids understood that. And um, our whole thing was we're not going to let that happen again. Um, so take care of the things we have to take care of. Um, do all the things that we did the first six weeks. And hopefully we can get back on track and the kids did it. Coach, you mentioned uh, the, the scheduling. You mentioned Winton Woods being a good team. You mentioned Covcath. How much is it about the way that you guys schedule and the schedule that you have to go through year in and year out that, that prepares your team? I heard you you mentioned after the state championship game, this team could play next week if they need to. They could play the following week. How much about that is, is going through that schedule of knowing you have to bring it each and every week? It's good. It's, it's a very demanding schedule. and there, I think it's good and bad. You're battle-tested going into the playoffs knowing you played. I think we played four or five of the Division One teams. Uh, in the playoffs, we played Tuff Cathy, won a state championship. Mansfield and Massachusetts won a state championship. Buffalo was in the playoffs. But then it's a fine line of how healthy are we? Are we injured? But this year we were very healthy going to the playoffs. And I think throughout the season, going 8-2 and two with that schedule gave our kids confidence uh, oh. to go into the playoffs and make a run. One of the, one of the most impressive things, uh, obviously I, f- I follow you on Twitter. I follow the LaSalle football team on Twitter. You're talking about a, a, a culture at LaSalle, you're talking about building this dynasty that has been uh, for the last six years. When I see stuff on Twitter of, of you guys and you win a state title and you leave and the locker room is is clean and, and the guys really pay attention to detail, how much of that culture translates to the success of the program that you guys have been able to build? Yeah, I think that's, I think, I think that's a good point. I think a lot of it does. And, um, you know, our, and I, we, had, we had a celebration last night and we haven't gotten the state championship rings yet, but yeah, we have the trophies. I mean, is it about the ring and about the trophies, or or is it about doing the right things on a daily basis? You know, being good students, being good in our faith lives, doing all those things that champions do. And one of the things I think that champions do is clean up at, in the locker room or do all those little things that it takes to be successful. And so our kids have bought into that. Uh, it's very, very important to our kids, um, and they, they, they take great, great pride in doing all those things. Pat, I know you mentioned that that game with the, with the team from Buffalo, and, and that was a, a, a road trip for you guys. Uh, and I know for a lot of GCL South schools, scheduling is very difficult, so you're trying to find really anybody that can play you sometimes. But how much did you want that trip to mimic a little bit of, of going to Canton? Because I, I, it always seems to be everybody says, hey, it's tough on the Southwest Ohio schools. It's not fair, and, it, and maybe it's not. But you have to you have to deal with it. You have to simulate it in some way, I guess. Did, did did you use that as a simulation, or was that just no? That was the opponent, and that's 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 just the way that trip worked out. Well, I mean, you hate to ever think ahead, but we actually were thinking that. I mean, we drove we drove up to Buffalo. So it was seven hours there. We stopped halfway um, at Lake Catholic and Mentor, walked through, uh, got something to eat, went literally, literally like a grade school game. <laughs> got out, played the game, got back on the bus and then came home. We did the same thing in Canton. I mean, we went up there. We stopped at Ohio State for a walkthrough, got a box lunch, got on the bus, went, went up to Walsh uh, University, walked through there, played the game, and then some of the kids came back and some of the kids stayed up there. So it was, I think it was important for the kids to understand the process. They'd been through it before. It wasn't anything different. They were used to it. I think it really helped us having that plan in week five, held us out in week 15. Coach, how much as, as, as a successful head coach who's now won multiple state championships, how much do you let yourself enjoy this moment, and then how fast does the, the, uh, the, t- the tide turn to, okay, what do we got to do for next year and what do we have coming back? Well, I think as soon as the game's over, you probably turn to next year real quick, you know. <laughs> but um, we, we have our banquet tonight, so we'll kind of wrap a bow up on 2019, you know, celebrate. And obviously, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, media things which we appreciate. Um, that, are, that we have an opportunity in celebrating, and, and that's great. But um, probably next week we'll start working on the depth chart. We've collected equipment already. And so for the most of the coaches, we're already on to next year. Pat, final question for, for, for me. Um, you, you know, you look at that, that great run that LaSalle had, 14-16, to 16, winning three straight state titles, and, and in 17 get to the regional championship game and Winton Woods got you. And obviously last year probably didn't go the way it started well and, and didn't end 
end well. How much did maybe your group of seniors who who saw some of those state titles and uh, were at least probably you know part of the program through some of those? How much was this kind of a chip on their shoulder, or maybe them saying, "Hey, no, this is our time." You know, those, those state titles are in the past. Yeah, we were around it. Yeah, it was a great part for LaSalle's program, but this is about us. Yeah, I think I, I think that's a good point. I think every every, every team is on their own journey. Um, so whether it was 17 in my first year or last year, all good kids, all uh, good football teams just came up a little short in a couple areas. Uh, this year, seniors, uh, we had things in place. We played a lot of young kids last year. And I told our team last year, you know, we're playing a young secondary. We're playing young offensive line. Okay, it may not benefit us last year, but it certainly did this year. And they're as much a part of this team. But I think when you take over a job, even though there was a culture in place, you might do things a little bit differently. You might have a little bit different defense, offense, off-season program, new coaches. It really takes about three to five years, and we're in our third year, to get everything, the culture, the way that you want it. Not that it was good or bad before I got here. Obviously, it was good. It was just different. I think we're at that point right now where Cam is a senior. He's been here for three years. The juniors have been here my entire time. and So we're all on the same page with regards to expectations and things like that. Good stuff. Well, congratulations. It, uh, I, I, you know, it, is, it is a very difficult thing to win a state title in, in any sport, uh, and certainly uh, for, for the program, four and six years, but for you personally, your first and your three years there, I know it's got to be a thrill, and enjoy the banquet, and enjoy uh, being a state champion. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me on. Appreciate Thanks, it very much. That's the head coach of the LaSalle Lancers, Pat McLaughlin, his team winning the uh, Ohio Division II state championship. And again, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention Covenant yes. Catholic finishing a perfect regular season, including a win over LaSalle. I took a little bit of grief for ranking Covcath number one mm. in my final local 12, top 12. I, I don't feel so bad about that no, anymore, tough. Tony. Tough not to. It really is. I, the, the run for Covcath really is amazing. I mean, you're within, what, five points, I think it was last year, five or eight, whatever it was. It was a small margin of going 15-0 three straight years. Yeah. That's really hard in high school football. Yep. I don't care who you are, what era it's in, that's hard. Hard for the high school aspect and, and for Coach uh, McLaughlin at, at LaSalle to have a chance to be a part of that as an offensive coordinator mm-hmm. at Moeller yep. and, and go through that process and to take it all and then do it as a head coach. Uh, to have different multiple state titles as different levels of a coach is awesome. Is is really awesome and very fulfilling for him. And and again, congrats to to Cuffcath. Congrats to LaSalle. No doubt. All right, we'll take a time out. When we come back, we will have our college football segment, segment three. It's the Angry Quarterbacks weekly podcast from ESP Media and your friends from the James Rapine Memorial Studio. Getting answers, finding solutions. Local 12 News investigates. As soon as we called you, everything happened very quickly. Not afraid to ask the tough questions. Taking action, getting the truth. Local 12 News investigates. ESP Media has been producing and operating websites, mobile apps, game films, broadcasts, and social media content since 2010. We have entered into an exciting partnership with Sidearm Sports, the number one provider of collegiate athletic websites in the world. If you're reevaluating your athletic website's overall look and day-to-day operation, ESP Media can assist you. Reach us today at 513-655-4966 or email us at sales at ESPmediaSN.com. Join ESP Media and Sidearm Sports to be the leader welcome back into segment three the final segment of the weekly angry quarterbacks podcast segment one we talked uh, the nfl and bengals and Spygate and red zone play calling and all those things we just uh, spoke with the head coach of the LaSalle Lancers, pat mclaughlin about his team winning the ohsa division two state championship now time to talk a little college football we are now at the end of the regular season although there is technically one more game do you know what game that might be tony pike army navy army navy exactly I'm right it. i'm I, on it i love the army navy game uh, but that is the final game on saturday Everybody else has completed their season through their conference championship. The bowls schedule has been set, and I guess let's start with uh, let's start with the Ohio State Buckeyes and the uh, the final four in the college football playoff. Were you surprised how the final ranking came down at all? Uh, I was surprised only because they had moved ahead of LSU previously, and you look at their last three weeks, they played three top twelve teams in the right, country. Right, um, you talk about Ohio State. Yeah, yeah, I think the the tough part about uh, what Ohio State did, they just didn't look good in the first half against Wisconsin, and I think that cost them the number one overall because I think if they play the whole game like they played the second half, there's no question. Yep. Um, the tough but part But it feels like you're dinging them. The question, yeah. is, the question is, are you dinging them for that half? I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the, the, the committee. They did. Were they dinged for that half, or was LSU more credited for the way it beat Georgia? Well, I think, I mean, if 
Because both bodies of work are really good. Right, because it's it's what they did in the last game. LSU dominated Georgia, and Ohio State struggled for half of that game with Wisconsin. If it's the other way around, Ohio State's number one. The problem is this year, out of any other year, you wanted to be that number one. Yeah, number two. I, mean, I don't want to play Clemson. Well, and then the great part is you beat Clemson, which is still going to be a tough test. They've been yeah. don- they've been the Clemson of the last few years, the last they few weeks. They started the year number one in the country. They yep. had one slip up where they won. Against North Carolina. Against North Carolina, and then they have dominated since. And and I know that, that Dabo preaches on the hill, and he, but the, 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 the clip of him telling his team, hey, congratulations, you're the first team to start the year ranked number one. Not lose. So go undefeated and you finish at number three. It's, it is weird. I'm not going to lie to you. The, the, the interesting part but for the Ohio goal, State. Yeah, the goal of that is you have to beat Clemson, which is going to be very difficult, and vice versa yeah. for Clemson to beat Ohio State. And then very LSU. Difficult. And then LSU. Yep. Because the problem becomes, for Ohio State, they've played a lot of good teams. What what dominant offense has Ohio State played? Yeah, none. Dom- I mean, you don't you no. don't consider Penn State a dominant offense. No. Michigan's not. Wisconsin's not a dominant offense. They control the running game. I'm talking about explosiveness. No, agreed. If you play the first half against Clemson like you did against Wisconsin, You're down you'll get ran nothing. out yeah. of the stadium. And that, to me, that's the scary part for this Ohio State team. Because I think the Oklahoma story is great. Oklahoma defensively is not going to be able to stop any no. of those top three teams. They're, be- they're better defensively than they've been yeah. in, in, in years, but it's still not a top-notch defense. The, it's, the, a, it's a capable defense. The drop-off from 1-2-3 to number 4 is more significant than I can remember, and that's why that LSU 1, Ohio State number 2 is so big this year. Yeah, no no, no question about it. Um, so you have predictions for the playoffs? Uh, Clemson, LSU. Okay. Okay, and then LSU or Clemson? LSU. Some, I'm, you know what? I'm going to go out of the realm here. I'm going Ohio State. Okay. I, I, I mean, they, I don't know how out of the realm that is. Well, because it's hard not to pick LSU based on the eye candy they give you. Yeah. And frankly, Clemson's got such a chip right now. It really does, and it's playing with that chip. And they still got dudes, and they got a national championship quarterback that coming into this year – we thought was the clear stud in the country, and he he threw some picks for a while this year, right. and then now suddenly he's got his act together. It's pretty, they're, they're playing their best football. They right are. Now. It's it they they would scare the daylights out of me yeah. for goodness sakes. But you're taking Ohio State. Who I'm plays taking them? Ohio State. Okay, I'm going with that. All right, uh, UC heading to the Birmingham Bowl after oh, losing to gosh. Memphis for a second time and a very second a uh, very tough loss. I don't know. Do you think they? We talked about this last week. If they had beaten Memphis. Do you think they'd leapfrog Boise? Do you really? I, I, I a lot do of other people believe that. Last week when we talked about this, we didn't know where the rankings were going to be. The fact that they were only moved one spot behind Boise, right. I think, set it up to jump them when you beat a ranked team higher than Boise Agreed. away. Uh, but so, so you go from potentially if you win the Memphis game mm-hmm. and you're right there. I mean, it's, it's 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 neck and neck to go into the Cotton Bowl to going to the Birmingham Bowl to yep. play six and six. Boston College. It just it, it makes the that's got to be the letdown of letdowns, it right? Makes it makes what was a good season, a ten win season, lose a little bit of its luster because it was such a good start to the year, and and they they got through. And their, it's been a great. I mean, yeah. Memphis is really good. People, yep. they got they got really through, really good. They got through their first six, which I thought was going to be the tough part of their schedule at five and one, and then they. The, the issue is they stumbled and struggled against East Carolina. They struggled against Temple. They struggled against South Florida and Houston. But they found ways to win those games. But the struggles you saw during those games showed themselves against Memphis, a team that you can't do it against. They're the most penalized team in college football. Mm-hmm. Can't do that. Not against that team. You can't have right. a running into the kicker when you're, you're right. going to get the ball on the plus side of the 50. You're right. You can't drop five or six passes in the first half. One was a 75-yard touchdown pass. Um, and yet you're still in it. Still in it. And and I think that, that to me, looking at this season, you think more about now than the 10 wins because you lost back-to-back, and now what should be celebrated as a great season. And it should one be. One of the rare seasons in Cincinnati where you get the double-digit wins. Your, your gift, your bowl, your celebration is a Thursday right after the holiday at 3 o'clock in Birmingham against a 6-6 six and six Boston College team. The la- Sell that game. The last time I was in that stadium was for a UC Southern Miss Bowl game Yeah, in which, unfortunately, I fell face-first <laughs> drunk in the stands. I've and, heard that. Yeah, it's, it was a heck, quite a, quite I've a heard day. heard that. Quite a day for me. Yeah. yeah one of your better performances. One of my better performances, yeah. I, I, How do you nor- sell that game? <laughs> it's right after the holiday. You don't. 
It's just that's you. You. I mean, you honestly, you don't. It's in a crappy that's nothing you see. That's no. not you see. That's not travel. That is no. AAC bowl affiliations. Agreed. Need to be better. Agreed. Because I mean, I'm watching. Austin, the, dude, Boston College is awful. Yep, they're awful. Well, they I, have they have Corey Dillon's kid, AJ Dillon. He's a nice runner. Yep. Probably gonna play in the NFL one day. But they're terrible. They have no coach. That's right. But you see, you see what the the conferences mean. You see a Virginia team ranked 24th in the country behind UC is playing in the Orange Bowl. Right, and has no business. No business being there. But because of bowl ties and affiliations, they get that opportunity yep. to make more money and, and to play on a bigger stage. Uh, that's what hurts UC. And again, shooting themselves in the foot for back-to-back weeks. All right. So you still got a chance to get to the 10th win by beating Boston College. Well, they have 10. Trying to get to oh, that's 11. right. Sorry, you're right. Yeah, they do have 10. You're right, because the conference championship, yep. game, they went in 10 and 2. I'm sorry. Yeah, so you're already at 10. You got a chance to get to 11, though. That's that's a, that's yeah. something. Um, you've got a chance to continue the momentum forward. I think the other thing is you get these extra practices yeah. to get ready for a championship run next year. I think with that's a lot of pieces still in place. I think that's what's more important to this coaching staff. Coach Fickle's always talked about the bowl game as more of a celebration. Yes. Obviously, that unless, changes yeah, unless if it's the Cotton Bowl. Right. Yes. It's different. But this is more of a celebration, and this is an opportunity to get your young guys 15 more practices. And that's what this team will cherish and value because you look at what's coming back and you look at what's coming in, this team should be there again next year. What do you think the swag bag is from the Birmingham mm. Bowl? I, I don't even want to think about it. A, a hound's tooth hat, maybe? Yep. <laughs> That's it. It's not hound, as good as what the Cotton Bowl would hound's have been. Hound's tooth hat, a $25 gift card to Dreamland Barbecue. We go from playing in Jerry World, <laughs> the possibility of playing in Jerry World, to that stadium. To Legion Stadium. Yeah. In the wor- it literally is in the worst neighborhood I think I've ever seen yep. in my lifetime. It's Can't just, wait. It's brutal. Can't wait. Are you making the trek? I don't know. Still up to debate. You missed opportunities. Win either one of the last two you're right. weeks. No, you're right. You're when, right. When two weeks ago you're playing Navy last week at home, uh, when this week you're playing in the Cotton Bowl. Okay, let me circle back around to the college football playoff in terms of of what you see in Memphis were playing for, which was the American Athletic Conference Championship. We're, we're at the four team playoff, and and you've had the Pac-12 be shut out. What now? Two years in a row? Yep. Is it going on something like that? Um, and, and honestly, I thought one of the interesting things when you saw the final rankings, it's no solace to Georgia. They only fell one spot, yeah. so they stayed ahead of everybody else, um, all those other two lost teams. Um, and, and, you know, it goes back to if somehow Oklahoma or Baylor had gone in with two losses, Georgia was going to get in first before yep. any of them, them were. Are we not at the stage, and I don't know why this doesn't make sense, I know people will kick and scream and say, yeah, maybe you don't deserve – why can't we just go to the five conference champions, yep. the best power six conference champion, and whether that's boys, cards. and two wild cards? Yep. I'm all for What's it. What's so hard? Now, I know because pe- I've heard people say the argument against that would be, what if Virginia had beaten Clemson? Then tough Clemson. Yes. Yeah, okay. That's the way it goes. Better hope you're a wild card. Better hope you're a wild Exactly. Puts more onus on those games. I think it does, because too. Because what happens, and what's interesting, imagine if Georgia beats LSU. LSU would have been a wild card, but still. But but this year, if Georgia beat LSU, two SEC. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two an SEC. ACC and a Big Ten. That's it. Exactly so right. now Big 12 and Pac-12 are out. Both out. So to me, you're running that risk. Instead of saying, look, we have the Power Five conferences for a reason. You win your Power Five conference, you're, you're in. in the dance. Five guys. Yep. Five teams. And then it gives. Best power six. The only caveat I say with the best power. No, I wouldn't even do it. Best power six. Yeah. I don't care what it is. Your best because power six. Because what it gives is it, it takes away the argument for the last couple of years for UCF. Yeah. Because they'd have a seat at the table. Yeah. And that's all that a power six conference is asking for. Give us a seat at the table. If you go in and you get beat by 40, you get beat by 40. But what if you win? Then you change the narrative forever. And then. But it's at least very it simple. ends the argument. It Get ends, to be the one, and dude, if you play an eight, you should roll. It, it, it ends the UCF going undefeated argument. Correct. At least they got a swing at it. Correct. And if they win, well, by God, they obviously deserved it, did they not? Yep. It makes it makes every Power Five conference meaningful. Okay, so, so it makes the Power Six meaningful, and then yes. the teams playing for that wild card slot it makes meaningful. Yes, I don't know, it's still, I don't know why heard, it's I've, not at eight. And I've heard the, the argument as well, uh, well, it's going to dilute the regular season. No, it's not. No. you still got to earn a spot in your conference championship right. game, and then you got to win that conference championship game to guarantee you a spot. I think it ramps it up even more. Can you imagine the Saturday and Sunday of college football? Be fabulous. With 1-8, 2-7, 3-6. No question. Two games one day, two days, yeah. games the next. Be it's really not that hard. Unbelievable. So, so here's what you would have this year. You'd have LSU, 
Yep. And however you want to rank these, doing whatever yeah. they did them here. LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, Oregon. Because yep. Oregon won the Pac-12. Yep. All right, there's your five. Your best power six team, whether you like it or not, was Memphis. Memphis right. earned that, so Memphis is in. That leaves us two wild cards from among the following. Georgia, Baylor, Wisconsin, Florida, Alabama, Penn State, Utah. Utah. you got a lot of choices there. Right. Which and listen, means- I can argue that people can say, well, you're going to leave a couple deserving team out. Turn- no, you're not. Yeah, no, but, but you, had, you, 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 had, you had a chance to... to but then get, you answer the argument because the regular season get, does mean yes, something. Yes, exactly. Go undefeated, losing the conference championship, and you're still going to be a wild yes. card. It's really not that yeah. complicated. Yeah. It really and I don't, truly is I, I honestly don't know how and, it's and not I, and at I that. Can't, and I can't believe that the, 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 that the Pac-12 well, and or the Big 12 from last year isn't foot-stomping about this, saying, hey... Our league deserves a bite at the apple, too. We're exactly. one of the power fives. Exactly. Just make this happen where we all get a chunk. And, yeah, SEC, you might get the double dip with two because of the extra wild card team. Okay, you deserved yep. it. You earned it. You played people. However you want to cut to the chase of that. Exactly. It's really not that hard. I don't understand how it is still that hard. I, I, I don't either. And I do want to touch on Kentucky. They're going to go play Virginia Tech in the uh, Belk Bowl after Tennessee pitched a fit that they were going to the Belk Bowl, and Kentucky was originally going to the Gator Bowl to take on Indiana. Yeah. And Tennessee said, no, you're not. We want to go. We're going to be crying mad. If not, honestly, it doesn't matter to me. I get to see Lynn Bowden play one more time before he enters yep. the 2020 draft, and I'm looking forward to it. There you go. And frankly, Charlotte's you've, not got a bad a Heis- place. you've got a Heisman vote? Yes. You better have written Lynn Bowden down on one of those three, mm. buddy. I can't. I'm not allowed to disclose. I know you're, I know you're not. I know you're not. Can't disclose. Did they get it right, though, sending the four in? And I'm doing this off the top of my head. Uh, Chase Young, Joe Burrow, uh, Justin Fields, and and Jalen Hurts. Yep, I think so. I do, too. I'm trying to think if there's another guy that I think is worthy. I swear to God, I'd write Lynn Bone's name on it. God is my witness. If I had a ballot, I'd write Lynn Bone's name on it. You can make a case for J.K. Dobbins because of how good he's been in games. Uh, You can make a a case for Taylor at Wisconsin just because of the statistical year he had, but I think the four and the impact they have on their team got it right. Yeah, I, I do too. Because people I'm, say, well, Chase Young, where, he's disappeared. There's there's pictures of him getting blocked by three and four guys. Yes. That's, he's, why, that's, he's why, not getting, that's why he disappears and others make he's tackles. He's not getting double teamed. He's being triple teamed. It's crazy. Yes. Uh, and I'd be remiss if Miami's going to play UL Lafayette in a bowl. I can't even think of what it was. But they did win the MAC championship. Yep. Very nicely done. They got that done. You're thrilled by that, I can tell. Yep. Okay. Congrats. All right. I think I see there's a camera that's been locked down spying on us. Oh. They're trying to get our our, our oh. podcast signals. I see it. I see it. It's yep. right out there. What gotta, is that? Is that look, that looks start, like craft production. these blinds. Yeah, we better start doing that, man. I don't trust anybody. Oh. All right. We'll see what the NFL does. Let, let's close with that. Do you believe they do come down hard at all? Nope. You think they just slap they the wrist should, and fine? They should, but they'll slap the wrist. And fine. Just, yep. just a fine. Which opens up I think they a come down whole... Hard. Can of worms. I think they come down hard because of Michigan guilt. I really do. We'll see. We'll see. All right, Tony, thanks very much. Our thanks to the head coach of LaSalle High School, Pat McLaughlin, his Lancers winning a state championship. Congrats as well to Covington Catholic. We'll be back uh, for another week as we're winding down the football season. We'll look ahead to some of the bowl games, and we will uh, certainly talk some more NFL and the Bengals, who have three games remaining. For Tony Pike and our executive producer, Rob Ebel, I'm Richard Skinner. Thanks for being with us. This has been the Angry Quarterbacks Podcast. From ESP Media, broadcasting live from the James Rapine Memorial Studio. That's certain. And when that blue heartache starts hurting, you'll be doomed.